Hello, everybody. It is Anthony, and you're going to be gardening with Anthony today. So as promised, uh, we will be talking about a topic that can be a hot button for a lot of people nationwide, uh, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, but actually all over the country. And that is, are you ready for it? Native planting. Oh, gosh. You know, there are so many things and not just books, but articles and all sorts of things on the internet, all about native planting. And when you come into our, uh, into our nurseries and you want to know what, uh, what the native planting looks like. And if people look at you a little bit weird, it's because we have to figure out what you're talking about. Now, let me explain. This doesn't mean that we don't know our native plants, because of course we do, but we need to know what you mean by native. So here's one of the really interesting things that I want to share with you is that when I was preparing for this show, I did some research. And do you know, I checked on about 20 different sites and I received 20 different definitions for the word native planting. <laughs> so as if all of that is not confusing enough, because, and, and I'm going to bear, ask you to bear with me because I'm going to try to get all this to loop around towards the very end of the show. But as if all of that isn't bad enough, I need to know what you are thinking native planting is. So when you think about that and you're like, well, gee, Anthony, I, I'm not even sure I know what you're talking about. Let me give you a hand here. When we talk about native planting, the true, and if you go just absolute hardcore native and you're in Bellingham or you're in Seattle, then it is the native plants that grow in that area. Now, I've actually taken it upon myself to give a very rudimentary definition of the word native planting. Are you ready for this? It goes something like this. Those plants which occur and reproduce in any given area without the cultivation of man. Well, really what we're saying here is that man had no part in putting it in the Cascade Mountains or in Whatcom County. What we're saying is that these are any group of plants that naturally occur in a given area. So we can be talking about Whatcom County. We can be talking about Western Washington. We can be talking about Washington State. We can also be talking about the entire Pacific Northwest. So when we talk about native plants, let's think to ourselves, okay, what really are we saying? The next thing I want you to do is I want you to go take a look at native plants um, that are growing. I really want you to be sure that you want these plants. Now, I do know that there are many different housing developments and whatnot that when you buy a new, a new home, they require you to plant X amount of native plants. Um, and we're going to get back to that in just a second. But what I want you to do is I want you to go take a walk. Um, for those of you who live um, in the Sudden Valley or around Sudden Valley, that is a really great place. They've, there's all sorts of 
manicured trails that you can walk up into the up into the woods and whatnot, and you can get a really good idea of the native plants that grow in this area. Um, we all know that thuyas or uh, are the uh, western red cedars and uh, the uh, arborvitaes. We all know that they grow pretty naturally in our area, particularly the western reds. Uh, it's pretty much what our, our mountains are made out of. But what I really want you to do is to walk through and see them. Let me explain why I'm saying that. Say, for instance, you like snowberry, which is also called symphocarpus. If you were to come into the nursery and take a look at it, we have nursery-grown symphocarpus or snowberry. They're beautiful, they're dense, they're lush. But let me explain to you that when you go walking through a wilderness and you see these, they're going to look very, very, very different. Let me explain to you how a native plant becomes native. It is a plant that does not die when there is way too much shade, when there is way too much sun, when there is not near enough water, and when there is way too much water. These plants have hung on, and they'll, they'll continue to do that. They're strong plants, and they're adapted for that particular type of environment. But let's go back to our snowberries, for instance. When you find a snowberry or a symphocarpus in the mountains um, or on your walks, you're going to find that they look kind of straggly. Um, they're not dense. They're not lush. They're not necessarily pretty. The berries are pretty. That's for sure. But they're not necessarily the prettiest plant ever. Let's talk about bear grasses. Um, of which there's a number of different types, and they're all in the Carex family. When we see those growing up now, those grow up about around the base of Mount Baker. Those don't look particularly pretty, and they look very, very, very different than what you're going to see in your local nursery. So what I'm trying to get to is that all of these plants will eventually move into that area unless they're really, really well taken care of. And even then, um, know that oftentimes that's not necessarily going to be how they're always going to look because they will have that ability. What make Again, what makes them a native is going to be that they are able to sustain these areas of darkness, of excess water and whatnot. We really want to look into the type of native plants that that we're being called upon or that we decide we like. Now, let's get back to the, those fantastic lists. A number of y'all have um, handed me these lists when you've been at our nursery and said, I bought a home. It's over in blah, blah, blah neighborhood. And this is what our homeowner association said that we could have. Well, I've got news for you. A lot of those plants are not native. I know, right? So it's not to say that you're being duped by any stretch, um, but it is to be, uh, say that there is more misinformation on native plants. This has become almost a very mystical type of, of endeavor is to figure out what's native here, um, because next month we're going to talk about naturalized, but I really want to stay focused on natives right now, because this is kind of the big bone of contention, and it is for a lot of people. So when we look at these, lists that say um, this is native, that's native, and the other is native. Um, we really, I'm going to tell you, we need, and by we, I mean you, need to do the footwork. 
And you're going to have to do some research. If you truly want a native plant, you're going to have to do the footwork to make sure that what you're buying is in fact native. Um, I don't know how many of you are really, really into this. There is a gentleman named Tony Avent. Uh, he wrote some amazing articles um, in, uh, in, um, and they're all posted online. So it's Tony Avent, A-V-E-N-T. I highly recommend for you to read some of his material because he really, really does spell it out. When I talk to you and I tell you that a lot of that material on, on your lists are not native, um, we're not kidding you. And here's something really even, even more to boot is that there are nurseries that specialize, and I'm using air quotes. I wish I, this is the only time I wish I was in um, TV land because I want to see the air quotes. Um, but they are these nurseries that specialize in native plants. Now, I've been to those all over the country, and I will tell you about 20 to 30% of the material that they have. I can tell you when was brought into this country, um, and I can tell you also that they are, in, they are without a doubt, not native plants. So all of that said, it really now becomes up to us to really, really, really research if we want that native to research what exactly is native. Now, there's so many plants that when I was in the Pacific Northwest, I had heard from so many people and read on these lists that were native. Um, let's, let's just take honeysuckle, for example. Honeysuckle, let's talk about the botanical name really quick. Lanisera japonica. Lanisera is uh, the common name for all honeysuckle family. Now I, let's talk about the word japonica, or some of them are called japonicum, C-U-M. What that means is from Japan. Honeysuckle is in no way a native. Honeysuckle was introduced in 1806. Uh, it was then widely cultivated here in America in 1860, and then in I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, you all, because it's a stone's throw from where I live. In 1976, um, it was actually given to Ontario, which is not so far from me. And its forests, its forests became completely engulfed in honeysuckle. So what that means is that it's gotten away and it's become rampant, it's become invasive. Similarly, anybody who has ever been to the South knows all about kudzu. Oh boy, you know, there's a lot of myths that surround kudzu, but here's, here's, here's some things that are not myths. Kudzu was actually brought to us uh, from China um, or from uh, different parts of Asia by our government. Now, they were brought here in about 1876, and they were originally thought to be able to feed their cattle. Well, the cattle here, for whatever reason, decided they didn't like it. Shortly thereafter, at the World's Fair in Philadelphia, it was showcased as a garden plant. Now, I will tell you, if you have a whip and a chair and a 
the stamina to keep this stuff in check. I will tell you that the flowers are pretty remarkable and they smell a lot like red grapes. Oh my goodness, they're really, really wonderful. But it just takes, once you have that in your garden, you have no more holidays that you can take. You can't leave the house for the weekend anymore because when I tell you this can grow about a half a foot every night, I'm honestly not kidding you. Um, we can also talk about lycanthemum or ox, uh, oxide daisy. That is those lovely little daisies that we find growing pretty much all over the place. And I've seen those as, uh, listed as natives. I even was at a local nursery in your area um, that they told me it was a native. They're not natives. We have really got to find the plants that are natives. And you know, to make things even worse, because when I feel like we're talking about natives, I feel like we're reaching into a bowl of spaghetti that is so entangled up that there's so many facets to it. When you're hiking, and especially if you hike in, uh, in, in Sun Valley, you might actually notice in the middle of nowhere, vinca growing. Yes, vinca. That's the same stuff that you probably have in your pots, cascading over the sides with beautiful blue flowers and all that kind of stuff. Somebody planted it there. I know. I know. I can't believe when I've seen that because I had to actually go and check my hort books and find out, is this actually a native here? No, it's not even remotely native. Somebody planted it there or somebody took a pot of it and just tossed it and it actually grew. So when we're thinking about these things, we really, really have to think, okay, is this actually something that I want in my yard? Um, or is this something that we can actually play, we can actually do without? Let's talk about things that are natives. Um, Snowberries, as I as I mentioned earlier, are very hardy. You're going to find them all over the place. Uh, they're called symphocarpus. Now, what's really interesting is that symphocarpus, if you if you're like me and kind of like the feeling of beating the system, um, are now available in pink. Of course, symphocarpus was only white. Who had the white berries uh, for the longest time, or the snowberry, and. Now, our, the growers are starting to breed it with pink berries. They're beautiful and they're easy to grow. Now, keeping in mind, part sun, part shade is what they want. And they want some very, very rich soil. And that's extremely well-drained. So know that symphocarpus, maidenhair ferns are marvelous. They are absolutely, truly wonderful because those are one of, those are a Pacific Northwest native that are so, uh, tried and true. They are easy to grow. They can grow in full sun or part shade. They've got to have a good drainage and water with them. So those are going to be another thing that I really want you to pay special attention to. As far as flowering plants are concerned, you know, we have the, in the Pacific Northwest, you've got some of the most amazing native flowers. Trillium. Trillium erectum is a, an absolutely beautiful one. There is white and then there is a pink slash slightly purplish. Those are perfectly uh, native as well. And those, now all of these are nice because they're not going to go crazy on you and they're going to be easy to grow. They're going to be simple to deal with. I also want to put uh, put in your head that just because something is native doesn't necessarily mean that we should be planting it. 
So, so for instance, some of the native dogwoods, some of the cornices, those are going to be things that if I were, if I could give you any advice, I would stay as far away from them as I humanly could because they're natives. They have not had a lot of breeding um, into them. So consequently, there are diseases that will take them out really fast, notably anthracnose. Anthracnose is a disease that really targets dogwoods. And unfortunately, dogwood is the one plant that we can't get rid of it. We can treat certain shrubs and we can even treat many different perennials uh, when, it, when they receive anthracnose. But when it comes to a dogwood, the moment we spot it on there, we need to go ahead and eradicate the tree. We need to cut it up, put it in a garbage bag and put it in the trash. And anything that we use to cut it up, we need to soak in alcohol because that pathogen can go from one plant to another. So we really, really want to think to ourselves, is this really what I want to be planting? Because it's it's beautiful, but it's not that hardy. It, uh, I always think of things like this as almost like having a purebred dog and they tend to be very sickly. Well, these are purebred dogwoods and they tend to be rather sickly, unfortunately. So we really do want to kind of keep these kind of things a bit on our radar. When we're talking about some trees, know that um, the big leaf maple or the Acer saccharum is an absolute native. I think it's actually pretty doggone wonderful, as well as the Acer circinatum or the vine maple. I think these are pretty doggone wonderful and they're very, very adaptable. The big leaf maples, I cannot think of a better shade tree. And if they are grown in your yard, then that means you're going to be taking some care of it and you're going to prune it and give it a pretty shape. And again, I can't think of a better shade tree because big leaves, you're going to get beautiful fall color, that bright, bright, bright yellow. Um, what's not to love about that? Um, they're going to grow probably about 45 to 65 feet tall. So these are great trees that if you want to plant native, these are pretty, pretty amazing. The vine maples. Now, again, this is another really cool way that we can cheat the system a little bit. And when it says vine maple that we have to plant one, just know that right now there's a bunch of different varieties that are on the market and not all of them get the size of kingdom come. Um, there is really a beautiful variety called short sister that I have in my nursery here in, in, um, New Jersey, but it hits about five or six feet. You've got one as well in your neck of the woods that will get about five or six feet as well. And it's going to be this short, fat, cute little tree that is going to give you all of the joy of a straight vine maple, but it's just going to be smaller. You can do more things with it. You can tuck it into your garden. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, texture that breaks up perennials. Or if you've got conifers, it'll break that up a little bit too. And of course, we all know that fall color on vine maples is beautiful. There are other varieties too. And also know that depending upon where you decide to place these um, will depend on what kind of growth and what kind of color you're going to get. When we've got the vine maples, for instance, if we plant that in full all day sun, we will get a lot redder of a leaf. Um, and a lot of people are not, don't know that. So we want to kind of figure out how we want to play with this. One thing I also want to put in your ear is that when you buy it at the nursery, know what growing conditions they have it in. 
That is going to be really, really, really key. Um, for those of you who came and shopped with me, I usually, if something took sun, I had it in sun. If something took shade, I had it in shade. But that's not always the case. And for multiple of multitude of different reasons, everybody has their reasons why they're putting things where. So know that where you, uh, where you, where it's located in the nursery might have a bit of an idea as to what you're going to do with it. Now, I want to tell you, if you take something that's been in shade and then, or part sun, part shade, and then put it in full sun, are you going to see some burning? You probably will. But know that that is a plant throwing a fit and it's mad. It's like an errant little child kicking a, doing a little tantrum and it will grow out of that. The first year it might look a little bit rough, but the second year it'll flush back out and you're back to being golden. So knowing our plants, knowing what kind of culture they received prior and where we're going to put them is going to be pretty big. But when it comes to the entire native issue, sometimes we are a lot better off by getting things that just do really, really well in our in our area. But that does not negate there are still some really, really, really beautiful plants um, that we can plant in that are from the Pacific Northwest that do very, very, very well. And they're fun to play with. It's a matter of, of up to us as to what we do. Now, I also know that uh, that uh, foxglove is also classified as a native plant. Again, not native. This plant here was brought over from Europe and it is, it's done exceptionally well in our areas, but it is not a native plant. These are plants that all got away, but this is again, an area that we can say, okay, let's go ahead and call that a native then because it's on our list and it's a beautiful plant. When we play with foxglove, always remember it's a biannual, which means it's going to bloom one year and then you'll get foliage the next. So you want to do this uh, knowing that next year you're going to probably buy another round of them. That way each year you've got some blooming and it's a beautiful uh, display that you're going to put on. So let's talk a minute about Queen's, uh, Queen Anne's Lace. Queen Anne's Lace is a plant that a lot of people will swear up one side and down the other that it is a native. What I want you to know is that there's another plant that looks very, very similar to Queen Anne's Lace that is native. Are you ready for this? It's hemlock. Hemlock, bad, bad. We don't want our children touching it. Now we can tell the difference between Queen Anne's Lace and hemlock because hemlock will have brown spots on the stem. Hemlock will also get massive. So back to Queen Anne's Lace. Um, again, I saw that in a nursery um, in Western Washington with the uh, tag on it that said native. Need to know, not native. It was actually thought to be brought over here by the pilgrims in the 1600s. And really, are you ready for this? They believe that it probably ended up here in grains of sack and uh, a sack of grain. So it got away. It did really, really well. This is a classic, classic case of not being a native, but rather um, it has made itself very much at home in the Pacific Northwest. It does extremely well. Um, so that those are some things that I really want you to pay attention to. There, again, keeping in mind, 
native plants, just because they're native does not mean that we don't have to take care of them or whatnot. They're native plants. They're not xeriscaped. Xeriscape are the plants that you don't have to take care of, literally. You don't have to water them. You don't have to do anything to them. Native plants, and particularly when we're talking about the Pacific Northwest, remember out in the, out in the uh, mountains, it's cool, it's damp, oftentimes sunny, more times than not dappled light. So the reality is, is that we're trying to mirror those growing conditions. So when we're setting up for a native garden, which I have actually seen a few people who have had some really beautiful ones, I will say that. But when we're setting up for it, we need to think, how well laid out am I doing? We need to have a lot of thought behind it. Because if they're not, natives can end up looking like weeds. And they can look more scrub-like than I think you would really want them to look. So let's think about how we're going to lay this out. What is this going to be like? If we have a formal, if you have a propensity for more of a formal garden, then I can tell you probably very few native plants are going to um, make you happy because they're all going to have a very wild look to them. They're all going to um, look a little bit less than perfect. Whereas um, kind of a European cottage garden would be actually ideal for it. And then you can mix all sorts of really interesting things. One really cool plant that, again, it's one that na that naturalized really well. It's called uh, Dracuncus. It is um, also called goat's beard. Beautiful, beautiful plant. It's an herbaceous uh, shrub, so it dies all the way back. But this goat's beard, I've seen that growing all around Stevens Pass, all around Mount Baker. Um, but again, that is a plant that is not necessarily a native, but it grows extremely, extremely well. And it has a lot of really cool attributes to it. So when we're working in all of these kind of things, you know, I, I would love if you've got questions, because again, 30 minutes is such a small amount of time to put your hand in a whole bowl of uh, spaghetti and try to pull out each little strand one by one. Um, so what I want you to do is if you have questions on these, ask Anthony at outlook.com. That's ask Anthony at outlook.com. Write me. Let's take a look at what you've got. If you have pictures, I think that's amazing. Um, and let's kind of figure out together what you have and what would be the right source for you. If you have the that fabulous piece of paper that says, these are the native plants that you can plant, give me a yell. I mean, I would love, love to take a look at that with you. And I'm you have a lot of a lot of resources. I might have a few more. So we can kind of play around together and say, let's, you know, let's decide, are these really natives? And if they're not, they're on my native list. I wonder if they would do okay. And I, and we could play around with that. I would love to work with you. Pictures are great. You know, any, any type of a communication, because ultimately you have to know I live for that. I think it's a great thing to do. Um, I love seeing what other people are doing. I also, I also want to arm you with the fact that Oftentimes we're in, because of this stupid pandemic, and I know you guys love it as much as I do, we unfortunately 
in nurseries as well as every other every other um, industry across the board. Sadly, we are finding it difficult to find good help, and so I'm I'm what I'm trying not to do is I'm trying not to impugn people who work in a nursery because that's unfair and that's unkind, uh, but. Don't take everything that a nursery person says for as gospel. What I want you to do is if you don't know about it, check. Write down information, check. You can email me. You can even give me a call if you needed to. Do know that uh, from your world, I'm three hours ahead, but you are always welcome to give a call and uh, email me. And I'm happy to email you my phone number and we can set up a time that we could talk. But What I want you to do is I want you to take a new look at the entire idea of native gardening. And when you look at it, I want you to get good, concise information. I want you to walk into it with eyes wide open and know exactly what you're doing. And I want you to be able to say, this is what I'm calling native. I'm calling native anything from Washington state or I'm calling native anything from the Pacific Northwest. And the Pacific Northwest, by the way, it does, it does, uh, it's Washington, it's Oregon, it's Idaho. And I think there's probably another state or two uh, um, attached to that. But it's all of those states combined because we all have very, very similar growing conditions. I think the further east you go, the warmer it's going to become. But it's all about the same kind of Montana. Thank you. Um, it's all about the same type of growing conditions. I think Idaho actually might get a little bit warmer than all the rest of us, but um, but let's be able to identify that and identify what we mean by native. And then let's understand why we're doing a native planting, because I think that's probably more appropriate than anything else is, um, okay, so the, you've got a bunch of native plants, why? And uh, that way you can say, well, glad you asked that. I planted native because, and you can go down your list, and I'm calling native this. That way it gives you a confine and gives you a framework to work in. It also gives, if particularly if you have gardening friends that are coming over, it also gives them something to say, oh, okay, my friend has got a native garden and what she's doing is she's doing or he's doing everything in the Pacific Northwest or everything from Western Washington. Or I have one client who is doing everything from Whatcom County. So, and I, I got to tell you, I respect that because that's difficult. And it was, uh, when I saw the garden, it was well thought out and well-researched. So all of those things together, I want you to remember, ask Anthony at Outlook.com if you have any questions. Give me a, drop me a line. I would love to give you a hand. But for now, this is Anthony with Anthony's Gardening Show. And you know what? Support your local businesses. Support Garden Spot. Support my garden. Support Kent's Nursery. These people are all amazing folks, and they're there to help you. And if you need me, you know how to get a hold of me. So for now, this is Anthony signing off, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next month.